Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the ninth episode of our podcast, Groundbreakers. On this podcast, we interview early stage founders and real estate investors to hear their stories of what led them to have success in their career and hear their journey from zero to one. Today, I'm joined by Chelsea Lamego, co-founder of FundMiner. FundMiner simplifies and automates fund management for fundraising organizations who suffer from manual processes and siloed systems. Thanks so much for joining us, Chelsea. Very excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Domingo. Excited to be here. Um, so would love to hear your story. You know, what were you doing before FundMiner? What's your career journey been like? Like, you have an awesome background. Very excited to hear it. Thanks. Thanks. Um, well, it's it's funny because if you um, ask almost anyone who works in the fundraising or nonprofit space, they'll all tell you that they fell into it. And that was sort of the uh, same situation with me. Um, I had just finished grad school. I attended University of Texas at El Paso for undergrad and grad school. And while I was in grad school, I was working for a small um, arts nonprofit, El Paso Opera, um, as their executive director. And so when I finished grad school, I sort of was ready to move on. And I had uh, worked for the nonprofit because it was flexible while I was in grad school. So I had the um, ability to attend my day classes and still um, manage the organization. So I chose to work in that se sector for the flexibility and then sort of fell in love with it for all of the um, impact that it makes and the effect that it has on the community that uh, we served then. So when I was ready to um, sort of move on to another job, you know, I've, I was just out of uh, college for the second time and had all these career aspirations. One of our board members at the opera was the VP for advancement at the university I had just graduated from. So he um, asked me to apply for a position there. Um, I started overseeing advancement operations, which is fundraising operations essentially for a um, higher education institution. It's, it's commonly referred to as advancement or development. And, um, you know, when I started, I think I was overseeing a, a couple of units and really started to to dig into um, the complexities and the, the differences between working for a small nonprofit and then jumping over to a larger one like a university who's raising um, millions more on an annual basis and has a lot more resources and people involved in the operation, just, just much bigger at scale. So um, I did that for five years. Over time, I sort of oversaw more and more units, eventually became an AVP over um, advancement operations. And it was really during my time at UTEP that I um, sort of fell in love with the problem, or I should say maybe became obsessed with the, the problem that I was experiencing. And um, really that's what what led me to found FundFinder. And so, um, happy to, to jump into that now, but we had a lot of different systems um, within our, um, our department. And so we had a CRM system, an accounting system. We had another department that did awarding. They had data. We had our endowment investment data coming in from um, in the form of spreadsheets from another unit or another uh, source. And then uh, our documents were stored in a couple of places. And so anytime there was a question about sort of one fund that we managed and we had thousands, I found myself sort of opening all these different systems and hunting for, for information. And so I really wanted to find a more efficient way 
of delivering this information to the people who needed it outside of the advancement office so that I was no longer as a human that hub and spoke and these people could just self-serve the information that they needed. Wow, that's awesome. I feel like you don't often hear founders who like so vigorously felt the, the pain point themselves before building, but that's like truly the right way to learn about the problem to its fullest extent and then build something for it. And I know UTEP's one of your very first customers for FunMiner. Like, do you mind expanding on that, especially given you work there? So like, that's an amazing relationship that you built. So, um, you know, I, I went to UTEP for undergrad. I went to UTEP for grad school and then I ended up working there and I never, you know, imagined that I would be a miner for that many years of, of my life. And, and now it seems like, you know, I'm going to be a miner forever with FundMiner as, uh, you know, we have that little Easter egg back to or, or homage back to our, our roots there. Um, but our relationship is great. You know, I studied entrepreneurship in for undergrad in, in the business school um, and then I got my MBA there. And so it was a really nice um, working in advancement. You know, you're, you're raising money for scholarships and, and programs. And so coming up through and going to that school myself, I already felt this sort of high level of desire to give back to my own community and my own alma mater and my own school. Um, then when it came to working there, you know, I wanted to do right by my organization. I wanted to do, you know, right by um, all of the folks that I was providing service to around the organization or in charge of providing this information to. I wanted to do right by our donors. Um, by ensuring that we were spending our resources in the most effective way possible. So I think, you know, coming from um, UTEP being my background as a community member and, and student, I think I felt this high level of responsibility to do a really great job and really solve for this challenge that we were experiencing there. And so um, when it came time to um, work with the university on our uh, technology transfer partnership so that I was able to take this product to market. They were super supportive. Uh, you know, it's of course a, a process like, like most things, especially when there are, um, you know, instruments and legal instruments involved, et cetera. But they were incredibly supportive. Um, you know, it was, uh, I'm one of their alumni from the business school who worked in their fundraising office and I created a, a software platform for fundraising organizations. So it was sort of a, a nice, nice story, nice thing to support um, by helping me and supporting me and taking this company to market. Also, you know, we are providing back a better and better and better product that's powering their um, organization and operation as well. That's amazing. And I feel like even for them, that's a, a great story of like, here's a Here's an individual that studied, we taught her what she knows, and now she's actually building something that we're using. And a, an amazing first customer for you first launching. So I think that speaks yeah, to just the product that you're using. That's awesome. Um, so I know you, you know, we were in the same cohort at Techstars, and I think you've had a ton of progress since then. It's now been a year, and it's just been amazing to see from the sidelines. What was your experience like while you were at Techstars in the early days? I know you guys launched your MVP while you were there. Can you walk us through what that experience was like for you? And is it is it a program you recommend for other founders? Yeah, I really loved uh, being a part of the Techstars program and, and I love the Techstars network and still feel very active and try to, um, you know, stay in touch with everybody from our cohort and constantly I'm, I'm meeting folks outside of our cohort as well. 
Um, throughout the program, I, I really had a, an amazing experience. I mean, for me, it sort of felt like startup 101 or how to be a founder 101. And so I felt like I was learning the lingo, learning what to do. Um, it, it really helped me feel like I knew what I was supposed to be doing. Um, the community was amazing. The support was amazing. So I had a really great experience. Of course, it's, it's a lot of work. It's really vigorous. Um, but ultimately, it made us better. And we developed amazing connections and relationships from it as well. Yeah. Any piece that you felt like was very pivotal from the program, like whether it came to building your MVP, your sales process, how you did customer discovery, like any piece that you can share with listeners that you really took away from the program that they now can focus on? You know, there, there was probably a couple for me, um, things that just sort of stuck out to me. Um, the discovery process, I think, was a really important, valuable um, lesson and something that really developed over time. I mean, the, the type of discovery work we were doing during the program and we do now is slightly different, but still centered around the same principles that we learned in, in Techstars. And it really helped us uh, understand how to um, ask our customers questions without introducing any potential bias, um, how we can use that information and, and put it to work and to sort of derive actions from it. Uh, such as even knowing what to focus your next meeting on or demo or deriving product insights and product roadmap ideas. So I think the discovery part was was a big part of it. Um, outside of that, something that really sort of sticks out and it's it's kind of a funny one, but there was a part where we, I think, had to do three things all at once. So it was like, create your first LOI and a sales one pager. And I don't recall what the third thing was, but all three items were very, uh, oh, it was our, our ICP, drafter ICP. So um, those three things were sort of a moment where I think on the sales side for me, some things really clicked. And, you know, I was like, of course we need a sales one pager. And... I mean, looking at what we produce then and what we have now, I mean, we've come a long way, of course, but I think uh, putting those couple of first sales pieces together, sales assets were, um, you know, a, a moment I remember that both challenged me because I don't come from that background. I don't have a sales or marketing background, uh, challenged me and helped me sort of understand how we need to be approaching those items. And then the last item that comes to mind, of course, is um, developing our pitch deck and pre presentation skills and speaking skills and sort of being like com comfortable talking about your, your company in front of strangers, talking about it confidently, um, concisely, and really telling a, a good story, the narrative. No, that's awesome. I can really relate to the three pieces around like the ICP, um, the sell, like the sales one pager. I feel like what that really opened my eyes to personally was like talking to customers is crucial in building product, which I think is very obvious, but I think a lot of first time founders have an idea in their mind and they're like, I'm going to build this. And then once it's there, like I'll just get customers. And that just doesn't happen. It's very much an iterative experience where you're building, you're talking to customers, you're iterating on that feedback and then you're selling again. Um, so yeah, you touched absolutely. upon a bit of, yeah, you touched a bit about your sales process and how that was a really big piece of learning for you. Like any piece 
any moment you realize that like, okay, I was tackling this incorrectly, like this is actually how you do it or any sort of playbook that you can share that, you know, you've learned from that? Yeah, um, I think, you know, there there was a couple of things that happened at the same time um, about five months or so ago. Um, one, we hired a couple of salespeople. So it was no longer just me and my co-founder. Um, we had actual salespeople who were dedicated to, to that function. At the same time, we hired a consultant to help us um, optimize our CRM system. And it was something that we, we really needed. And I had not worked in that CRM before. Um, had I, sure, maybe we didn't you know, need that, but, but we really did need that help. And I think it was a combination of those two things happening at the same time where we, it kind of clicked for me how we were going to outline the process, how we were going to track it, how to actually turn what I was doing into a repeatable process versus sort of um, before it was like, who do I need to follow up with? And, you know, I had a CRM and, and I was tracking when I last contacted, but this was just a, another level of sort of systemizing it. And that's when I really saw um, a difference for us. No, thanks for sharing. Um, any piece I think that you've like B2B sales, depending on what industry you're tackling can be such a monster, whether you're going after like super large enterprises or like really small SMBs that you're going after. Um, any pieces of advice that you can give any founders around B2B sales that you've learned? Um, I, you know, I think I really like to emphasize on both relationship building and building a big pipeline. Um, I think that you never know sort of when that relationship will convert or when, you know, that person that you met will make an intro for you or come back. So I, I really emphasize on relationship building and, and building the pipeline. So I would say uh, for me, it's sort of casting a, a wide net while also making sure you're able to be kind of highly personalized and have close relationships with each of those, which you know, is, is a little bit of a, an, an art and, and science to balance there, um, reaching out to people at scale and also making sure that you're developing real relationships. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly doable. And how much of those relationships are built through like in-person conferences? I know this is something that a lot of founders are always like, how many conferences should I go to? Is it a waste of money and time? I, you've done a really good job, I think, going to these conferences. Like, how have you made the most of them? I would say that the conferences that we've gone to, which are more closely aligned with our um, users specifically or our industry, are more successful and and uh, sort of will produce more leads for us. Um, and then I think the beauty is kind of in the the follow up. So making sure that you kind of document every interaction and, and follow up on those. That's where we've seen the most success is when we are able to really uh, take good notes on every interaction that we've had and follow up in a meaningful way with those people. Um, I do find that conferences are helpful, but I would emphasize on um, the conference being a conference related to your your industry or user versus, you know, maybe broad tech. And if we were a different company, that 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 may be a different story. But uh, for us, we really want to to get in front of the the customers. 
No, for sure. Um, and I think, yeah, going to industry related conferences and immediately following up with people you meet, I think that's a really good insight. Um, so many people probably don't follow up immediately and then you just very quickly lose that relationship because you meet so many people. Exactly. Um, so I know we recently caught up Chelsea and you were sharing just how good and fast you guys build product. And it seems like I know Alejandro, who's your CTO manages, manages that process. Like how have you guys been so quick at getting product out? I know it's a challenge for a lot of founders. You know, um, I think that Alejandro and his team do a really good job of being responsive and um, open to iterating. And so I am constantly communicating anything I hear on the customer side to Alejandro. Um, oftentimes he's in the meeting with me, but of course not not there for all of them. And so I really take careful care to kind of derive any uh, product insights to share with him that he can then... Um, you know, incorporate with our, our roadmap and uh, sort of see where, where it does or does not make sense to fit in. Um, again, you know, he's there for, for a lot of the conversations. We also store notes specifically in our CRM system on favorite features or any kind of uh, requests that came up or ideas that surfaced. We do take careful notes too. So we can always go back to every single call and uh, go through and sift through the the content of the call as well. Um, so I, I think really, you know, his his team has just remained very um, open and responsive to the market's needs and are are adjusting as as needed. Got it. No, it seems like you guys have a really good line of communication, and even having him on so many customer calls is great because he gets to hear feedback firsthand that he then shares with his team. So love to hear that exactly. Um, it, any tips for founders to have better communication with their with their partners that they're working with or what's worked really well for both of you? You know, I think um, we just try to stay in constant communication. So we're, you know, sending each other notes throughout the day. Um, if it's longer conversations, we're, you know, keeping running agendas that we need to discuss so I think that we do a really good job of involving each other in each other's business and that and just keeping that communication open generally, um, you know, really sets the stage for for that. Any advice on having hard conversations with co-founders? <laughs> Don't want to put you in the spot um, or anything. So <laughs> I feel like Techstars really put a lot of emphasis on having a lot of those conversations early on. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to, to be frank, um, I'm, you know, the type of person who co-founder or, or not, nobody likes to have hard conversations. Uh, that's why, that's why they're hard. Right. Um, I think that just making sure that you kind of, I, I really like to approach a conversation sort of ob objectively, um, and make sure that I've, you know, talked to, um, uh, mentors and friends or um, advisors or have collected all of the information. Um, I try to also, you know, really take myself out of the equation and think about what's best for the company and um, just making sure that we can both be in that headspace that we are really focusing on, well, what is best for the company? I also like to sort of refer to industry uh, best practices as well. So, 
when in doubt, you know, what is what is the norm and just trying to kind of understand what what that looks like at other um, organizations or in other other relationships. Um, fortunately, my co-founder and I are, you know, commonly on the same page with things. So we haven't had to have a, a lot of hard conversations. I mean, of course, they do. They do arise. But I think we do a good job of almost self-regulating. So, you know, it doesn't really come to uh, come to that often. I, I do. I do find that we we tend to be pretty on the same page about things. So, yeah, I think it comes back to just how often you guys communicate with each other. Yeah. being a big reason as to then you're on the same page, I think is awesome. Um, I would absolutely agree with that. Just in terms of everything you've learned so far, um, it seems like you've now hit a, a really pivotal point for FunMiner where you're starting to grow, you're starting to get customers that are happy with your product, and you're starting to see just like the fruits of your labor start to pay off, which is just amazing to see as a third party. Any advice you'd give for early stage founders that are struggling or like, if you could look back to yourself when you're first starting out, like what would be some of the advice that you give yourself? Um, great question. I, you know, getting our sales process in order was so, so it's such a big item and, and a relief for me because I knew exactly what prospects were in what stage versus kind of going back ad hoc and like figuring out when did I last contact this person um, and things like that. So I, I think, I think that really was a, a big moment for me was to uh, just have solid processes and data um, in place from a CRM and tracking perspective. Of course, having a team at the same time where we were refining those processes together was really helpful. Um, apart from sales and and CRM and sort of how we we got to that point. Um, Techstars was really big for us. Raising um, around was really big and, and gave us resources to hire a team and and start uh, and, and do things like hire the CRM consultant who helped us and um, have the salespeople have additional engineering folks, for example, um, have a marketing person. So the manpower was was really helpful. No, I mean, so I want to double click on the sales process because I think hearing your personal like story with that, I know we had like multiple catch ups and for the longest time, it seemed like you guys were really struggling in the sales piece, even though you're having all these conversations to where you're at today of like, we actually now have a sizable pipeline. We have multiple customers that we ha like are working with. Like what clicked? Was it truly just the CRM and building that process or was it even how you were selling and like, how you got to the point where people are like, okay, I'll commit to this. Like what changed? I think, um, I, I do think that the, the process was a really big part of it. Um, part of that, I would also say is by that point, you know, we'd had 60, 70 conversations plus all the discovery work. And so maybe in total, you know, 150 conversations. And so at this point we were starting to sort of hone in some con conclusions or ideas or um, th things were less broad or we were, we were starting to have an idea of, okay, like the pain points we're solving are, are here um, in this, this side of the house. We, we really were able to start refining our messaging. And so I think oversimplified, you know, practice, practice makes perfect, but 
after a certain point, I did feel like, okay, we've done this before. We now know exactly, you know, what questions to ask. Um, you know, I recall a time where I would, I think, read our discovery script like word for word. And now I am probably saying it in my sleep at this point and, you know, certainly don't need something to refer back to. So part of it, I really, I really think is the, the practice and just going through the motions. Um, there was someone I met with a long time ago about a, a totally different project, but he, he had this sort of concept of, I think he called it like the rule of a hundred. And he basically said like, you can't validate anything unless you've had 100 conversations. And it's kind of funny because I look back now and like, it's very possible that around conversation 100, you know, we really started um, to feel validated and, and get it. And so I think that there's this, there was this nice combination of us reaching those numbers of, com of conversations where we really had some, some data to derive and some, some training going through it all, um, along with having a team behind us to help move those processes along and really outlining and establishing those. Wow. What a story of just like how you got to this. And I think a lot of founders don't fully realize how many conversations you need to have to your point to even feel validated, whether it's sales, whether it's fundraising, like you truly do need to get the reps in to feel comfortable and actually learn. Um, so it's awesome that you hit a hundred and then started seeing like, okay, actually it's just a change of messaging that I need to actually close these customers. And now you're seeing the results. Which is really cool. We also, I mean, in the same way that we've been listening to customers and, you know, iterating on our, our product roadmap, we've been iterating on our messaging, on our sales presentations, on our sales process, on, you know, let's try this one without the presentation and skip that. Oh, okay, that didn't go well. Let's put that back in. And, you know, we certainly were doing a little bit of, of A-B testing along the way to see what worked, what didn't work, and and adjusting that, and you know, I suspect it will be a a forever process of of iterating and and adjusting and just listening to and responding to the market and what's what's sticking, what works, what are their needs, and how can we solve that, and how do we speak to them in their language, and um, you know, really be their their partner in this. That's amazing, um, and I love the energy of A/B testing, like every piece of the process. <laughs> That's really how you learn like what's the best and most efficient way of even doing it. So Yeah, awesome. and I mean I, I wanna do more, you know. I <laughs> I think like I wanna, you know, A B test everything. I mean that that takes um takes time and resources too, but I I think it's we just have to, we know that we have to con continuously be be improving. And so every bit of, of piece every bit of information we learn, we're we're trying to derive some sort of improvement from it. I guess last question for you, Chelsea, this has been a, such an amazing conversation. Um, what have been some of your biggest challenges, like even getting to where you're at today? Building a company is so hard. Like, you know, what have been some of those challenges and any other advice you'd share? You know, it it's it truly is a roller coaster. Um, and, and people say that and, and there just are ups and downs. Um, I would say, you know, one of the hardest things is sort of aligning alignment, like just aligning timing generally, aligning timing of employees you want to hire, 
aligning timing of fundraising with your your runway and your needs, aligning the timing of when you need to close deals with when customers are ready to pay for a product. So I think that there's sort of always this um, cha this challenge of, of aligning priorities, um, the timing of things and your needs now and later and yesterday. And so I, I find that it feels a little bit like a, a sort of constant puzzle that is like adapting that we're always trying to solve for. And so, you know, it can be, um, that can be a challenge when you're sort of always trying to um, align external forces and and solve for things. It's also part of the excitement in a way. And every time you solve for one of those things, you get better. And then the next time something, you know, arises, it might be a little easier to solve or you've got some more, um, you know, insight from past experiences to apply to that situation. Um, you know, even examples like knowing who of my mentors or advisors or friends to call for advice when something comes up, because I may not know the answer and highly likely that I don't know, know the answer. But I think it feels like it gets a hair easier over time. Um, you know, you're not having to relearn everything that you had to learn before. So, um, you know, and, and any advice related to that is just sort of trying to stay resilient and uh, confident and pushing through and, you know, searching for um, data to help guide your decisions and, and move forward and make it through these dips um, because there will, there will be dips and it's difficult to align the timing of everything that you need to happen in, in your journey. But if you sort of, I think, keep, keep pushing forward um you can you can make it make it through that's such an amazing answer and i think the resilience piece really resonates um you go through so many ups and downs as a founder the highs are very high the lows are really low but being able to continuously push through i think is what maximizes your chances of succeeding um, so thanks for sharing and being so honest um that's all the questions i had for you chelsea thanks so much for coming on groundbreakers and sharing your story any closing remarks you want to share? If people want to learn more about you or FunMiner, where should they go? Uh, thanks for, for hosting me today, Domingo. It was really awesome to share uh, my story and uh, FundMiner's story as well. If anybody wants to learn more about FundMiner, they can visit our website at www.fundminer.com. Um, I'm always available to connect on LinkedIn as well and uh, highly extroverted, so love love to network. Um but yeah, really happy to um, have had the opportunity. So, so thanks again for, for um, hosting me today. Of course. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the ninth episode of Groundbreakers. We drop episodes every two weeks and we will continue to have awesome guests like Chelsea share their story. So thank you so much. Thanks, Domingo.